Welcome to MPT Podcast. This is Pastor Tim Wilbanks. We pray that this Word of God will bless your life and ministry increase God's blessing upon you. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I tell you, you folks are so kind and nice to me that I am uh, about to feel like I'm somebody. I pulled up outside, and they were there waiting for me. And uh, several times I've been asked since I arrived in the building, can I get you something? Do you need anything? Uh, including your pastor. And uh, I appreciate that so very much. I give honor to Brother and Sister Will Banks. I am excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about what God is doing in Middleton, in Middleton, in Middleton. Thank God. I've got to talk about these altars in just a little bit, but I want to visit with you for a moment, if I may. How many know that we're living in the end time? All right. The events of the past two weeks have stirred something within my innermost being. I've been in church all of my life. I was born to a preacher, well, two preachers, mom and dad both and born into the family. And I've heard it preached all of my life, and I've always believed that Jesus Christ is coming soon. But after all these years, I'm in front of you today and tell you his coming is near. It's even at the door. Amen. If you're ready, you ought to thank God that I'm ready. And if you're not ready, get ready. Trump of God's about to sound to call us home to be with him. And what a joy for me to be with you on this Lord's Day and on this special occasion. Today's special. Now, now hear me. It's coming from one that has been carrying this message, this gospel that we're preaching Almost 65 years I've been preaching this truth, this gospel. I pastored 52 years of my life. But I've come to tell you today, today is special. Something is going to happen in the lives of some of you that you will never, ever be the same. I'm not one to say a lot, but I'm going to tell you, I don't know all of you. Some of you I've never seen to my knowledge. But the left-hand side of this building, my spirit is pulling me. God's going to do something great all over the house. But somebody on this side, you're sitting right under the spout where the glory is about to come out. Praise God. Can I just slow down for a few minutes and talk to you? I don't want to get in the way of this wonderful service, but Pastor, I adjure you, I'm thankful for what you're doing with these altars, your own target. It's right. Yes, sir. 
And let me just tell you, as he said, it's not just another piece of furniture. When it's dedicated to God, it's a meeting place. It's a meeting place between you and God. So it's a very special place. And take care of this nourishment and for God's sake, use it. You have your Bibles, I'm reading from, from Genesis chapter 22, and forgive me if I'll read more than one verse in your hearing, then I will skip down to chapter 26 and one verse of Scripture. Chapter 22 and verse 6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both of them went together. And they came to a place which God had told them, and Abram built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the altar, the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Behind him and a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now be aware of the fact that we no longer bring burnt offerings to the altar. The supreme sacrifice shed his blood on Calvary 2,000 years ago. So he was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So we no longer bring an animal sacrifice. I'll tell you what God's looking for. He's looking for you. Put yourself on the altar. Uh-huh. Keep that in mind. Let's travel about 35 years or so to chapter 26. Only four chapters later, Isaac's travels when he went to dig the wells of his father Abraham that the Philistines had filled up. I have one verse. And he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord. 
had pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dig a well. Now notice something. Number one, when he stopped, watch the first order of business. He built an altar. And number two, he pitched his tent, secondly. And third, they started digging and redigging the wells of his father Abraham. If you're going to help me preach, lay your Bibles aside. Let's lift our hands toward heaven. Give God some glory right now. Call upon the name of the Lord while he is near you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated for a few minutes. May I just talk to you out of my heart about the lasting effects of the altar. The lasting effects. I'm talking about something that is eternal. I'm in front of you this morning. Had it not been for an altar in the hill home, I wouldn't be here. Sometimes I journey back, Pastor. Sometimes I journey back in my mind to that old living room of the house we lived in. And my place was over by one of the chairs. That was my altar. And just a small lad, every night, it was not skipponitis, it was every night, whether I had homework or not, whether I was sick or not, the altar was made every night. Something got hold of my heart during those moments when mom and dad was talking to the Lord. So let me tell you, something eternal is going to happen in this house today. The very mention of the word altar causes one that has been to an altar and touched by the power of God to have something to begin to stir within your innermost being. Let me tell you, these altars that have been built is made out of wood. And there's some metal that's holding the altar together. And guess what? God made the material that the altars are made out of. So when you take these, it's not just another piece of furniture in your house. God forbid that it becomes a bookcase or a place to plant, put flowers upon it or just to lay a magazine. After today, it's going to become a holy place in your life because that's where you're going to meet God. Potential result of an anointed altar is unlimited. You cannot calibrate the power and potential power that is found when an individual kneels at an altar and Jesus Christ meets them there. All of heaven becomes to your disposal. Everything that God ever promised is in your hands. 
I'm not a prophet. I may be the son of one, but I feel a prophetic spirit coming on me. What's an altar for? From the beginning of time until now, it's simply been a meeting place. Everybody say meeting place. A meeting place, not between the president and you, not between the governor and you, not because your banker and you, not because of your lawyer and you. It's a meeting place between God Almighty and you, an individual. I admit it's a place of sacrifice. I admit it's a place of worship. It's a place of weeping. It's a place of joy. It's a place of intercession. You see, there's something special that happens to one that visits the altar regularly. It's there where the Spirit of the Lord begins to flow into your mind, into your spirit, into your heart. There's rejoicing humility at the altar. Problems are worked out at the altar. Hey, burdens are lifted, honey, at the altar. Anything that will do so much for mankind is very important and should be cherished and should be used. Can I hear an amen? If church altars are empty of saints, it'll be empty of sinners. I'm going to hit you with one. The altar was never built for the center to start with. Check me out. Old Testament followers of the Lord and all the way into the New Testament. It was built for those that knew the Lord to come communicate with him. So he can kneel beside you on the other side and talk to your heart. Get a hold of your being. Don't. Woo! Don't get me wrong. The altar is a wonderful place for a sinner. And I got a feeling somebody in here is going to leave your sins around the altar today. I'm talking to saints right now, and you hear me and hear me well. If the altars of this church and the altars of the home of the saints of God are empty, they'll be automatically empty when you get to church. But honey, if you want to fill up the altars, warm up the altar of your home, use this altar that's going to be dedicated today, and you get ready for an outpouring like you've never experienced in all of your life. Patriots raised altars, personal altars, in the encampments in the Old Testament. If you notice in Genesis chapter 18, there are some verses after the flood. Noah sent out a dove. He sent out a raven. 
and finally reached the point that it was safe to step outside the ark after 40 days and nights of rain and the flood. So when he stepped out, he went forth out of the ark. And in verse number 20 of Genesis 8, Noah built an altar. Somebody say amen. amen. I would have built something too if I would have been housed up with those animals and all those people 40 days and 40 nights. He felt a need for an altar, I'm sure. You say, well, he, he could have had one on the altar. That's right. But he said, when I get outside, get my feet on the ground, he built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Aren't you glad you don't have to do that anymore? Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Well, what happened when Noah did this? The Lord smelled a sweet Savior. And the Lord said, I will not again cause the curse the ground for man's sake. And in verse 22, and the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and by day and night shall not cease. But one chapter later, stay with me now, he built an altar right after the flood and had a communication with God. But one chapter later in Genesis chapter 9 and in verse 20, he apparently got up from the altar and become a husbandman and went and planted a vineyard. And he got to drinking of the fruit that came from the vineyard. But he was away from the altar. And as he began to drink of that, it caused drunkenness to come upon him. And the Bible said in verse 21, he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. I'll not deal with any more of that, but I will tell you, things happened that day because he left the altar and planted a vineyard away from the altar. That affects the world today and it affects you and will affect you next week. We're still under the shadow of what happened when Noah left the altar. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Woo! Don't ever get away from the altar, honey. You say, well, preacher, that, uh, that altar we're going to receive today it's just wood, man-made. I agree with that. But the wood is not man-made. It was made by God. It's going to be blessed. It's going to be anointed. But it becomes your personal altar through the leadership of your pastor and the ministers of this church. And I agree 1,000% the time has come when we got to warm up the altars, folks. Not only in the church. Don't just come pray and shout when you get to church. My God, be prayed through when you leave your house to come to church. <laughs> I'm going to call up Brother Moses for a change, if I may. Children of Israel were fighting Amalek. 
In Exodus 17, 11, it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Aaron and Hur held up his hands until sundown, and Israel won a great victory. But guess what? In Exodus 17, 15, when they won the victory, what did Moses do? He built an altar. Woo! I said he built an altar. Honey, if God ever blesses you, get to the altar and thank him for it. If he heals your body, get to the altar and thank him for it. If God makes a way for you, get to the altar and thank him for it. God answers a prayer for you, get to the altar and thank him for it. Oh, God, I want to be sweet today. I want to be a sweet old man. But I just got to tell you something, honey. You get away from the altar and you'll become as carnal as Lot. You'll become as carnal as Lot and his wife. And look what happened to them away from the altar. I don't know about you, but I got to get stay prayed through every day. I, I'm sorry. But I'm human. I may be 79 years old, but I still got an old man, a lot of old man Adam and old sis Eve in me. I still got a lot of that spirit. You see, if I keep the spirit of God dwelling and filling, be you full of the spirit of God, be filled with the spirit and not drunk with wine. We're in his success. It's important that we stay full of the Holy Ghost. And the only way you're going to stay full of the Holy Ghost is around the altar. Pastor, yes, they, they may never want me back again, but I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of folks that don't bow a head to pray from Sunday to Sunday. Come on. I've been in restaurants, and I don't care where I am. I'm going to bow my head and thank God for the food, and I've started thanking him for the money to buy it. <laughs> but I look across a lot of families sitting there, and they delve in and never stop to thank God for provision that he's given us. But you can do those things at the altar. It's so multi-purpose. So much happens around an altar when it's dedicated to God. Did you know that Daniel's altar by his window carried him through the lion's den? Ooh. Daniel's altar by his window when he was told not to to do it, carried him through the lion's den. Come on, if he had waited until he got in the lion's den, it would have been too late. Aha. I, I really feel at home here at Middleton because I'm a Tennessean by birth. I brag on the fact I was born in McNary County, Tennessee right at the foot of the hill, 
rode in where I was born. I was born in a, a log house that my dad and his brother hewed out the logs. I still have some of the logs and, and the uh, axe prints still on some of the logs. And down at the foot of the hill, there was a big spring that ran out and come down under the road. They had a bridge over it. And in that red clay embankment, they had dug out a cellar, not a storm house, a cellar cellar. Anybody old enough to know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. My grandmother had a lot of canned goods and other things in the cellar because it was cooler in there. And where that spring ran out out there, they had it fixed up to where water would run out and run over some wood. And my grandmother would set some, uh, some milk and other things inside that uh, spring and uh, keep it cool. And it, it was meant for a drink of water out of that spring. Spring, no, this is another kind. Anybody ever had a drink right fresh out of a spring? My grandmother, the maddest I ever saw her get was the sow hog got out, got in the spring, watered and messed it all up. Ooh, brother. But I wanted to tell you about Granny. If a bad storm came up, they would go get in the cellar. And some neighbors would come down, I'm told, and get in the cellar with my grandmother and the family there. And they said there was a terrible storm coming. You could hear the roar of the tornado. Wind was howling, and the men was trying to hold the door. My grandmother and some other ladies were sitting in the back of the cellar when one of the neighbors said, Ms. Hill, why don't we join hands and pray? My grandmother said, pray? Ain't no need of praying now. The storm is on. What do you mean, Ms. Hill? She said, I prayed this morning. I went to the altar this morning. I was at the altar this morning before the wind ever started blowing. Hey, Daniel went to the altar long before the lions did. My God. In the tabernacle, there were two altars. Brazen altar, burnt offerings, located in the outer court. Seven foot, six inches square. Four foot, six inches high. And then there was the golden altar that stood in the holy place in front of the veil that hung over the mercy seat. It was much smaller, 18 inches square and about three feet high overlaid with gold, and it was portable. But when Solomon built the permanent temple, the size was increased, and new altars were made. These were the national permanent altars for them. But in the 7th century B.C., the only known altars in the temple in Jerusalem were unused and stored away. They were unused, stored away. I simply have a question for you. Could this be the reason 
that Israel has suffered so very much and suffering even today because they got away from the altar. I'm talking to you. I take you to my text in Genesis 22. Abraham, the man that God had made so many promises to, God said to him, when they take your son, your only son Isaac, take him to Moriah, put him on the altar and offer him as a sacrifice unto God. Isaac had to be willing for that to happen. He had to believe in his father's walk with God. But something else happened that day, brother, when Abraham put Isaac on the altar. Something took place in Isaac that he never got away from. Because you see, God wrought a miracle to provide a sacrifice for Abraham, which is a type today that God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. But if you skip down to Genesis 26, 25, about 35 years later, only four chapters in your Bible, Isaac was out redigging the wells of his father Abraham that the Philistines had filled up. And when he would stop for an encampment, the Bible said in verse 25, he built an altar there. First thing he did. And he called upon the name of the Lord. Then he said, I'll pitch my tent where we'll have shelter. And then his servants digged a well. Let me just tell you, church, it's still the same today. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Hey, if you want to have continual blessings of God, stay near the altar. Sacrifice to God yourself. My God. Joel chapter 1. I want to show you something quickly. Judah as a nation was visited with a palmer worm. They were desperate. The locusts, the canker worm, the caterpillar, everything eaten up and destroyed. Anybody in this house today that feels like so much has been taken from you or have lost so much, so many things that, that, that I can't put my hand upon. Verse 9, the Bible said when this was going on, the priests were mourning. Field is wasted, the land mourneth, corn is wasted, new wine dried up. But the remedy was found in Joel chapter 1 and verse 13, where they were told, Gird yourself and lament. How? Lie all night in sackcloth. The meat offering and drink offering is withheld from the house of God. 14. Sanctify fast. Glory. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry 
unto the Lord your God. Please give me Joel chapter 2 verse 23 if you will. They cried to God at the altar. Somebody say amen. amen. When the fields were empty, no herd in the stall. They were without. They felt I have had everything taken from me. What am I going to do now? They called a solemn assembly of the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and they cried unto the Lord. I feel it's high time for the apostolic church of Jesus Christ to proclaim the solemn assembly and start calling out upon the name of the Lord like we never have. I'll come back to that in just a moment. I preached a lot in Athens, Alabama. Before I was even born, my father went there for revivals. Very, very large, independent Pentecostal church about 12, 14 miles north of Athens, Alabama. It's known as New Garden. And after I started preaching, I went back yearly for revivals in August. They would always have August revival. And they had a good crowd, but folks would come home for the revival and pack the building out. It was just a, a hallelujah time. But it was years and years after I started going there. The pastor was still the same one, Brother P.C. Abernathy. Beautiful, wonderful spirit, great man of God. Just never went anywhere. He stayed at New Garden. And we were in this revival. It was two weeks or live, die, sink, or swim. Sometime we might go three weeks, but you go go two weeks, and there was no rest night. Toward the end of the second week of that meeting, not much had happened. Good crowds, but not much had happened. We were sitting on the rostrum, and Brother Abernathy leaned over by me and put his hand on my leg, and he said, Brother Hill, I don't understand something. I said, what's that? He said, you know, when your dad came here years ago, and you came here, he said, man, this place was packed out. It was nothing for 15, 20, 30 to get the Holy Ghost. Backsliders pray through. He said, we've had miracles of ha happen. Blinded eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, cancers healed. He said, we've had all kind of things happen here, and they had. And he said, here, we've been going two weeks, and we've hardly, hardly had a hallelujah. He said, I haven't seen a tear shed around the altar. He said, what's wrong? <laughs> he looked at me and I said, brother, I'm a young guy. I, I don't claim to have the answer. But you asked me a question. I said, brother Abernathy, when I started coming here, you had an old shed called the tabernacle outside. And you get out there with sawdust in the floor. And it was before you built this building. And there was a path going to the left, and a path going to the right into the woods. And that was not to the outhouse. That was to the other places. That path that went to the left was where the ladies went into the woods. And I had gone down there before, and there were some logs around. But there was no leaves. There was no grass. It was as clean as this floor right here. And then to the right, on down in the woods, away another place where the brethren went. And I said, Brother Abernathy, I've literally witnessed them come out of those woods shouting. I've literally witnessed them come out of those woods talking in tongues. And I said, 
We didn't have to have a PA system. We didn't have to have all the modern things that we got. Thank God for them. But we didn't have it then. But I said heaven came down <laughs> and glory filled my soul. Sometime before 34:45 in the afternoon, they'd start pulling in and heading into the woods and wouldn't come out until service time and sometimes a good while after service time. And the church I was raised in, on the right-hand side was men prayer room with an altar. On the left was a prayer room for ladies with an altar. I've been there, honey, but about middle ways of church, they'd open the door, and a bunch of men come out of their hair all messed up, tie pulled down, coat laying in the floor, come out of that prayer room shouting to victory. I've literally saw people filled with the Holy Ghost while that was going on. If you start church dry, it'll end dry. I said if you start dry, it'll end dry. Can I say this? We need some tears for a revival, honey. Have you any tears for a move of God? I'm not talking about just a little sprinkling. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost outpour. Pastor, you're about to open a brand new dimension. I told you I felt spirit of a prophet coming on me a moment ago. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Pastor, you've had some great revivals. You've had some great moves of God in Pentecostal Tabernacle in Middleton, Tennessee. You've had some great ones just lately, but you've only got to a certain place. You never broke that plane over the top to the other side yet. But today, draw a line in the sand. In the name of Jesus Christ, it'll never be the same again in Middleton Pentecostal Tabernacle. You folks are going to stay prayed through during the week. You're going to stay prayed through on the job. You kids are going to be prayed through in school. And then when you leave home to come to church, you're going to be on fire for God. That when you step outside that vehicle, you can enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Because I've been to the altar. Now I'm not finished. It looked bleak for Judah. The remedy was found. And in Joel chapter 2 and verse 23 is God's word for you, Pastor, and for the church today. Be glad then. Come on, somebody. I'm not in a prophetic mood right at the moment. 
But I've been to some churches lately and preached that I'd give them five dollars if they smiled at me one time while I was in the pool. Hey, the joy of the Lord is your strength. They're going to find evil spirits in the Wally world. They're going to find folks fussing and fuming at Dollar General. You're going to find all kinds of spirits out in the world. Those poor people that don't know God, that know something is about to happen, they're not going to follow somebody that doesn't have any joy and gladness in their heart. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let them see your happiness in God on the job in school and everywhere you go. And you'll get that at the altar. I don't care if the cows run dry and the hens quit laying and your mother-in-law's moved in with you for three months. Go to the altar and pray through before you get to church. Be glad then, you children of Zion. That's you. And do what else? And rejoice in the Lord your God. I love the way you folks worship. I heard you before I ever got in the building. I walked in the building and felt like I was stepping. I was staggering around in liquid glory because there was anointing already in this house. <laughs> We take the song, bring your burdens to the Lord and leave them there sometime. And it's sometime we come in so loaded down with the cares of this life that it's hard to get our minds up on God. Well, I preach a sermon sometime I might hear sometime unhitch the trailer. Did you know a lot of folks are dragging old hurts and old wounds and old problems and old sins and old difficulties and old things of the past that's already under the blood, already forgiven? By God unhitched from it. All of this wasn't in my notes. Several months ago, I, I was a certain place and some folk came up that I pastored many, many years ago in Boonville. And they were just young folk at that time. And one of the persons, I won't say if a lady or a man, but one of them was very talkative. And, and, and instead of reminiscing about a hundred soul revival we had in Boonville, or that I baptized over a hundred in Jesus' name in that one year in that revival in Boonville. Instead of them, they, they were in there, part of that. But instead of that person talking about that revival and the healings and miracles that took place in that meeting, she started asking me that I remember, oh, brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, and what they said, what they did to some folks in the church. I said, remember? She said, now, do you remember that? I said, my God in heaven, no. 
and I cast the spirit out of you of remembering the same thing. Through many dangers, toils, and snares. I didn't say I was in now. I said, I have already come. Be glad, you children of Zion, and rejoice. Rejoice. Is it not biblical? The Bible said, rejoice evermore. Hey, I challenge you to buck that headache and rejoice anyhow. Buck that backache and rejoice anyhow. I see two wheelchairs in this building, and it wasn't easy for either one of them to get here. You know how I know? It wasn't easy for me to get here. But if you think I'm going to let a lousy devil keep me from coming into the house of God and rejoicing, 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 rejoicing. Hey, there should never be a dead, dry Pentecostal service. Where am I? Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you what? Perform the rain moderately. You say, man, we have had some times. Hallelujah for that. Moderately. And he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain. Ooh. Ooh. I see a cloud. I said, I see a cloud. I see a cloud, Hardeman County. I see a cloud. That cloud is going to give forth spiritual rain. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Next verse. And the floors shall be full of wheat. I feel like saying something. The finances that this church is going to need to do what it has to do in coming days for the move of God that's coming to this church, don't back up because the finances will come as you do. The fats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore, oh my God. I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten and the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. Let me pause a moment. I've looked at some faces of folks you voted a few minutes ago. You feel like you've been robbed somewhat. You feel like some things have been taken. Come on. 
The reason we feel that way, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. I'm sorry, but I have to fight every day, bless God, to keep the victory. I tell you what I do lay on my altar is the Bible. Because the book said he had magnified his word above his name. That's my meeting place, but I take my word with me. Because he said, I'm going to restore to you the years, those things that have been taken from you, that you have battled for so long, trying to move forward. God said, that's the word I've got for you today, Pastor. And Middleton Pentecostal Tabernacle, I'm talking to you. God is in the process of restoring to you everything that's been taken from you. The palm were my great army, which I said unto you. Next verse. And you shall eat just enough to get you by. This is where all your needs are going to be met. Eat in plenty and be satisfied. And while you're doing these, said, you'll praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wonderfully with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And he shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass. I, whoo! My God, I felt a bolt of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say afterward. After I've been to the altar, after he's restored, afterward it shall come to pass that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of this world. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And upon the servant and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out of my spirit. After I've been to the altar. Jesus made an altar of stone in the garden. You know why he had to make an altar? He was both God and man. He had an earthly mother, but a heavenly father, but resident in him was royal blood. He was God manifest in the flesh. But Jesus said it, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. If he had to go by Gethsemane, Larry Hill has to go by the altar also. I'll never get away from it. 
Let me share with you in closing. Come into the music, and I'm going to turn it back to Pastor in a few moments. But I told you that the reason I'm in this pulpit on this Sunday morning is because I had a mom and dad as far back as I can remember. As far back as I can remember, whether I wanted to or not, felt like it or not, if I was sick in bed, they'd come in my bedroom and made an altar. I wondered why. I can't understand. But then I realized Isaac, the reason that Isaac in his travels built an altar before he ever pitched his tent and redug a well, the reason he did it, something happened on Moriah that day that he never forgot. How many fathers are in the house right now? Would you raise your hand? How many grandfathers? Isaac would have never built the altar first had it not been for the example of Moriah. So, he put things in perspective the way it ought to be. It's first. Then everything else comes behind that. So my parents instilled in me something from a child. My dad preached all over the United States and some foreign countries when I was younger. My brothers had married, and for a while it was just me and Mom. And Mom would sit down at the altar. Our altar was, mine was a chair, as I said, in the living room of the old house. But something got a hold of my heart. I'll go ahead and confess to you, my early plans was not to be a preacher. Raised in a preacher's home, I didn't want any more of that. Sorry, but truthful. So what did I do? Talked to my dad. He said, okay, son, whatever you'd like to be. So discussion was made to go into medical school and be a dentist, and we sided against that. But I was put into special education early on and then after high school to become an attorney. But you know what caused me to turn my books in and go home and get my Bible? I kept going back to those nights. Something happened to me. I couldn't get away from. So I'm going to challenge every dad. Ladies, you're important also. All of you are important. But every dad, I'm coming at you right now. 
Let your kids see you around that altar. Or if it's out in the woods on an old stump somewhere, you make an altar anywhere. But to designate one like you have done here is to kick the devil right between the eyes and say, look, bud, pastors provide the place for us. That is a reminder that daily I will communicate with God. So, Dad, you can't make your children serve God, but let them see you around the altar. Let them get a dose of what Isaac got on Moriah. And they'll never get away from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And last but not least, I've been here a lot of times. I thank God for every opportunity, Pastor. Thank you so much. One day will be my last. I don't know when that will be. Come of the Lord is close enough it could be in the rapture. I pray I do get to come back again and we'll plan on that. But what I'm saying to you is if I don't get a chance that you please don't forget I'm asking you dedicate the altar and hold on to it. Stay near it. I never saw a person backslide up out of the altar. It was when they were away from the altar when they get away. Raise your hands right where you are right now and let's thank God for his presence. Thank God for his word. Thank him for your church. Thank him for your pastor and your leadership here. That's right. Give him some praise right now all across the house. Amen. Don't mind lifting your voice unto him. We pray today that this word has blessed you, ministered to the needs of your life. Until next time, God bless you.